Mazika Magic. The Mets' third-string catcher strikes again with another walk-off. The Mets also made it a happy Harvey Day, for their bats at least, and the Dark Knights return to Queens. The boys are hot, Figgy. We'll break down the Mets' seven-game winning streak, the mystical Mazika, and the Mets' upcoming series with the Rays. We're also joined by another 1986 Mets World Series champion, the man who has pitched in more games than anyone ever in baseball, Jesse Orozco. So take off your shirts and enjoy a new episode of Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. The voice is not fully recovered because we had Mazika Magic Part 2 on Tuesday at City Field. It's Jake Brown here, Nelson Figueroa there. You can follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio, at FiggyNY. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Give us the five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcast, if you will. We are joined later in the show, Figgy, by another 1986 Mets World Series champion. He got the final out. He threw the glove up high in the air, and he pitched for almost as many years as I've been alive. 24 years, I've been alive 30. That's Jesse Orozco. He's going to join us later in the show. But first, the Mets are Sizzling hot. <laughs> Sizzling. Seven in a row. Mazika's getting naked. Hell, I'm getting naked. We're all getting naked here on Amazing no, But not. True. No, we're not. We're all no. take, we're all no, no. I'm I'm doing this show naked right no. now. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I am fully clothed. Don't worry. I do have shorts on. The weather is warming up. But Figgy, Tuesday was awesome being there again, and I'm sure you watching it was a cool feeling. I know you tweeted out that I have basically a shirtless picture in my apartment of uh the Mazika magic. We need shirts coming soon. We need our faces. Maybe us shirtless and Mazika shirtless and um, put a little spray tan on us. But that was the start. And then, you know, the Harvey getting imploded Wednesday. But tell me your thoughts right now on the first place seven-game win streak Mets who have not lost a nine-inning game since Chili Davis was fired. Yeah, there it is. That's the reason. Definitely is, is the reason why they're, they're hitting the cover off the ball. And the facts are they're playing much better baseball all the way around, right? The, the hitting hasn't been tremendous. They're not tearing the cover off the ball. You're looking at a team in seven games, they only have 10 extra base hits. Hard to believe that they're playing this level of winning baseball and they've only got 10 extra base hits, only four home runs during those seven games, period. They're averaging about 4.9 runs a game and eight hits. So they're not, again, not clicking on all cylinders. We haven't seen them really put it together. And the hitters that have been struggling, they seem to kind of be seesawing back and forth. You get, you know, a good game from one guy, and the other guy goes 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. But that's what you want to have. And even if you look at the lineup, if we saw this lineup in the beginning of the year, you know, people would have panicked and, and would been like, there's no way you could win with this team. That's what this team has done in the offseason. The depth where now you have a Pilar playing center field who's covering so much damn ground, he's hurting himself, uh, running into all the other outfielders. He's making tremendous plays. He's had some timely hits as well. Conforto has had a timely hit in the eighth inning last night. So you're starting to see this team is gelling together. And that's what happens with injuries, right? you got to be able to bend and not break. And this team has bent and they're bouncing back. 
I love what I've seen from them because these guys are starting to get a chance to play. Peraza had a nice game last night. This is a guy that shouldn't be playing this much, but you're very comfortable knowing that this guy has played as a starter at the major league level before in his career. It's not potluck. You know you have some history and the guys are really picking up the slack. The most important thing, Jake, has been the pitching. The pitching hands down. When I tell you they're giving up a 1.74 ERA as a team in seven games, as a team, that's everybody. Okay, so that tells you what level this team is clicking on with their pitching and their pitching just it's relentless. It doesn't matter if it's just Jacob DeGrom. The thing with Jacob DeGrom normally is they don't score runs when Jake pitches. So he's got to do it all himself. But these other games, you're seeing tremendous starting pitching. You're seeing the bullpen is really starting to gel together. You're seeing, uh, you know, all the abuse that you give a guy like Rojas. He's been handling the bullpen really well putting in the guys in different situations, not always in the same, okay, you're the seventh inning, you're the eighth inning, you're the ninth inning guy. He's been actually going to the matchups, and we saw some really good managing the other night when you know Stroman got pulled out of the game at the same time that Means did, and all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, man, this is too soon. You don't want to do this. And it was the right move at the right time. I think we've seen a lot of good baseball. They've only uh, – the bullpen's only given up 22% of their inherited runners, where in the April it was more like 60%. So they've even locked that down. They've only given up seven extra base hits out of the 259 batters that they face so what does that tell you this pitching staff is for real taiwan walker is for real he's a cy young candidate right now. he is for real and what i love about him is that you know what when i i see a hey, seven he went seven innings you know gave up one run you're thinking oh he had to have a bunch of strikeouts right that's what new baseball is a whole bunch of strikeouts nah man he pitches to contact he's able to use his pitches all over the strike zone he gets some weak contact and gets some ground balls He's been a godsend for this team because this is a guy who signed so late that you were thinking, ah, let's hope he just stays healthy. He's pitched above and beyond your expectations as of right now. And and quite frankly, hopefully you're not going to even feel the effects of Jacob DeGrom missing just the one start. Here's a stat that matters. The Mets are winning 100% of baseball games. And that's what I'm talking about. That was the insider. Elias Sports Bureau just gave me a call and the Mets have won seven straight games and they go and face the Rays this week. Another ALEs matchup. They'll get the designated hitter, which means Dom Smith could play first base. But Figgy, yeah, the pitching has been awesome and you know, it used to be scared when the bullpen comes in. Now you're not as scared. Now you like to to see the starters go deeper and you saw Walker go seven but you even got Drew Smith back and I know his mop-up duty but he pitched and he hit 97 on the radar gun on, on Wednesday and that was good to see him back as an option for maybe not mop-up duty but if there's a blowout or or even if it's you're down a couple runs you might be able to trust Drew Smith to get the job done and they're doing it with injuries I mean Brandon Nimmo is probably gonna go to rehab assignment come back next week Albert Armora Tuesday Hit the wall as oh. hard as any player I've seen. I was in 128. I could hear the thump just from my seat. Mm -hmm. I was like, he's dead. I mean, I I was like just happy he survived and got up. Yeah. I was like, there was a oh, dead no. man walking in right center field. And it, I was like, why are they challenging it? I realized when I watched the highlights later on, I always like to go back and see the highlights later and see how Gary called the things when you're at the game. But it looked like, yeah, the call, he caught it, and then it was on the transfer maybe, but – Obviously, the call stood. It was probably too hard to overturn that, but it looked like even a, an impossible catch Albert Amora basically made, Figgy. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things you love with those kind of players, the gold glove type caliber players. They go and get it. Pilar has been doing the same thing himself, jumping up against the wall, nearly going head-to-head -head collision with Conforto on that track. He had his cheek cut 
by Conforto spikes even. So th- that tells you the effort that these guys who are getting the opportunity to play, they go out there and they're giving you 110%. It just worries me because what did we see for about six, seven years was Gold Glover named Juan Lagares, who used to crash into a wall every now and then or make a go to make a diving catch. And then he's on the DL back then, the IL, you know, for the next, you know, two, three months while he's, you know, trying to uh, to get healthy again. Kudos to them for making the catch and, and going after it like that. But man, it, that sound, I, I listened to that sound over and over again, that thump of when he hit that wall, he did not let up one bit, went to go get that ball, went to try and make the play. And, and uh, you know, you got to take your hat off to the effort. But I never liked my guys going that hard. Usually that warning track, you can pick it up. You know, you start going from grass and you hit that gravel, you know, to slow up a little bit. No, nah, man, he went all out for it. So that's the level of play that you're excited to see as a fan. Good thing he walked off under his own power and, you know, give him some time to, to get his <laughs> get the uh, head straight for the next few days. We're going to see Khalil Lee here in the next series. So it'll be good to see some of that young talent come up too. The 2021 Mets, we go hard, balls deep. Shirts off. Mets baseball. It's a new era. This team plays hard. <laughs> and they take their clothes off. Yeah, Khalil Lee, uh, in other news, uh, Khalil Lee Speaking is... Of, hey, wait, did you, you saw my Twitter. A polar bear. <laughs> oh, he when, took a fall. A couple when, people sent me that video. They were like, is he, you said he's on the IL. I had to check Tacoma <laughs> Twitter. I was like, is he actually on the IL? And yeah, no, he took a scar- is, It was Scarlet takes a tumble. Him. Yeah. I, I reached out to him at 10.59 that night, and I wrote... First off, are you okay? He reached right back to me at 11 o'clock. He says, yeah, bro, I'm fine. And then I wrote to him, I go, good, because I spit my soda out laughing so damn hard when I saw you eat it. I go, you definitely did not stick that landing. They have an off day. Good thing he gets to, uh, you know. Did he respond to you ripping and falling over? No, no, no. But I talked to him after that because <laughs> I told him I wanted to get him on the podcast. But they're enjoying their off day in Tampa. So I wasn't going to uh, push the push the issue with those guys. They're well-deserved off day after uh, seven wins in a row. We've all seen Scarlett take. Takes a tumble, the famous YouTube video. Pete takes a tumble. The polar oh bear God. takes a tumble. He, he ate it, man. It was awesome. Yeah, well, Pete Pete was the one getting naked. Now Mazika's getting naked. So all, all the big fellas, you know, Pete, you know, go back and listen. If you're a late to Amazing But True, welcome. Go back and listen to our Christmas edition with Pete Alonzo. But remember, I said uh, power, a dad bod. He said it's a power bod. I can't say Mazika's bod is a power bod. That is a dad bod. And it was dipped <laughs> in mayonnaise or whatever. The, what is the material? that they put on <laughs> did you see the picture what is it eggs they like doused him with eggs uh, and- mustard it looked like mustard too look i saw it. i made that into a baseball card for him his rookie card and his position is gwph game-winning pinch hitter that's all he does the guy does not have a hit in the big leagues and he he has as many game-winning RBIs, I think, as Conforto, who's played a hell of a lot. He's longer. the first guy ever to have two walk-offs before having a hit in his career. I mean, the guy, the stat is just remarkable that he has four plate appearances. Listen to this. He's four plate appearances. He's over three. He's got three RBIs and two walk-offs without a hit. His third one was a bases-loaded walk, but two walk-offs, not only two walk-offs, two walk-offs that didn't leave the grass. They didn't even reach the dirt of the infield. The second one might have reached the beginning of the dirt, Figgy. Luckily, VR was at third because if someone else, if like Pete was at third, I don't know if he scores there, but VR's speed, he was able to score. This The stadium was like silent. They're like, oh, he's out at home. And I think we were all surprised that he beat it, and it was a slow enough roller. That's what they should call him. You know, you got, you got high rollers. You got the people. You got the Mazika selling the Tebow autograph bat on eBay, and then you got the the slow rollers. And it's a special. Don't hit it too far, or won't score the run, Mazika.
get it done any way possible. What I love is he doesn't strike out. He fouls off a bunch of pitches. He saw him, you know, keep the at bat alive and he took some big swings. He fouled, hit the ball foul. And then all of a sudden he just, you know, put it in play just enough. And that's all that really matters. All when, when you win a ball game and you have a walk off like that and you're able to celebrate, that's all that really matters. I don't think you'll really go back down to the minors thinking, man, I didn't, you know, I didn't come through in the clutch right now. He's the clutchest hitter they got. Keep putting him up there. I can't wait for his final stat line. Oh, for 12 nine walk-offs none have left the infield he is america's fielder's choice patrick <laughs> mazika coming to netflix soon uh oh, he, he's that good and he's been fun and then the mets follow up that magical and listen tuesday night that was dead i mean we were it was kind of a snooze fest until that ninth inning and it, it started with that pr i was right there i saw it when the third base umpire said home run i celebrated but i was like it's not a home run like i i thought they might replay it it seems like the other umpires were like you're a freaking idiot that was foul we don't even need to review that and uh the mets still found a way which is incredible and you were looking at those relievers for both teams coming to the game a lot of like low eras a lot of dominant relievers were pitching and it seems like a theme across the league that relief pitching has been better and then the mets still found a way pr he had a, a frozen rope to third base that got by the third baseman He's not only been good in the field, he's been getting timely hits, Kevin Pilar. So is it Pilar? He's Pilar. Villar is VR. The other one's VR. Pilar and VR. All right, that's amazing. Bad. Amazing Avenue. Shout out to Amazing Avenue. They uh, on their uh, website they have ER of the day, and they go through it every game. They try to see which one had the better day, and they've been keeping a tally of it because these are two guys that weren't supposed to play nearly as much due to injuries and the fact that when they do play, you've seen them getting better and better. They're getting more comfortable. They're getting their timing when it comes to the hitting. They play solid defense for the most part. VR has been a little suspect sometimes at their base with the glove, but that's the, the way that this team is set up, that when you're falling off from the starting guy, the caliber is right there where these guys can start on you know 28 other major league teams, maybe not all 30. Oh, no, we gonna rock on down to Mason Avenue, and then we'll take it higher. <laughs> I love that. Amazing Avenue. They are a good follow. And VR and Pilar, Bad Bunny's next hit single, uh, 2021 Mets edition is coming. Jeff McNeil will be back Friday, but the key is they return Wednesday. And Matt Harvey returned and had his worst outing of the season, Figgy. He said he got emotional. He nearly cried. He got an ovation when he left. Probably it would have, would have been less of an ovation if he pitched a shutout. You called a no-hitter. Luckily, it was the polar opposite. Right after I tweeted that you called a no-hitter after he had a 1-2-3 first inning, he proceeded to get pounded. Uh, so the reverse psychology jinx worked out very well by Every me. Every time. Uh, I'll take credit for that. And he gets rocked, pitches bad. Mets offense comes together. Again, Walker was great. So I think it was nice, Figgy, that the fans gave him that ovation because those memories are memories you take with you for the rest of your life. Me as someone who, at the time who was 23, just 24, just out of college, those were some glory days. I know we lost to the Royals, but Harvey brought back must-see performances. And while it ended poorly, it was nice to see him get his little ovation. And listen, he probably loves that because where else is he getting ovation? Nowhere. And two, where else is he getting fan support? He's with the Baltimore Orioles. They're in last place. So to get some kind of cheering and celebration from a fan base, uh, there's a reason why he nearly cried uh, Wednesday, even though he got pounded. Yeah, no, the the emotions are a real thing. And it, he was very humble humble in his post-game interview and it was a different it was Matt Harvey it wasn't the dark night and I told you that he's had to learn from all the times of hiding behind that persona hiding behind the the mask basically 
he let it out during the post game interview. It was a really nice thing to hear that it did get to him and it was touching because he loved his time here in New York pitching in front of the fans when things were going well. When he got the cheers and the adulation, he was on top of the world, man. There was no there was nothing like it for a long time. Since I mean Doc Gooden, you know, was up on the side of a building over by the West Side Highway when I was growing up, it was Harvey Day. You know, that was a real thing. People put on their shirts and it was you counted down the days till Matt Harvey was going to pitch again. And to see the way that it ended, it's unfortunate, of course, there's injuries involved and everything else. But I always wanted to hear him say and take accountability, which he did. He said there were a lot of things I would have done differently. But he also said, you know, that he gave it his all. He left his all out there. And that was one of the things I could appreciate in 2015 in that last game that he got to pitch where I felt like, you know what, they shouldn't have messed with him. They shouldn't have told him he was coming out of the game. They should have just, hey, sit back and watch the show. This is what you paid for since 2012 when he first came up. This is the guy that is going to carry the franchise, and this was his big moment. So if they left him alone and he goes and he shuts out the Royals in that game, then you had Syndergaard and DeGrom in the next two starts who now have this refound, you know what, this pesky damn Royals lineup. We found a way to neutralize them, and Harvey laid down a tremendous blueprint, and that little bit of, you know, the regret that Terry Collins talked about. And if you listen to our show, he talks about that's something that, you know, he loses sleep over still. You know, uh, that that moment, that was a huge moment where for me, if I got a guy like that and this is the guy that I have said is the guy and this is his moment and this is what he's supposed to do, you don't put any kind of doubt in his head. And that happened to him. But to see him have that humility. It wasn't even about the game. You know, he's been roughed up enough times now that, hey, you know, you try and shake it off and see if you can get back on track. That was going to be overwhelming with the uh, reception that he got from the fans. And the the fans, rightfully so, showed their appreciation because, I mean, the organization turned the page very quickly as soon as they traded him. So it was good to see the fans, you know, give that support. Keep smiling, keep shining, knowing you can always count on me. That's what what Harvey's for. Did you try out for American Idol? (laughs) I should have. I I did get an audition for Wheel of Fortune once when I sent in a video. You sang through the whole video, too? uh, No, I didn't sing. I probably (laughs) wouldn't have got chosen if I had to sing. Uh, I might be on TV Saturday. I just got a text from Jeff Nelson inviting me to SNL. I didn't know there were people in the crowd. Elon Musk will not be the guest. No, he will not. (laughs) So I should be there on Saturday. So SNL, there you go. Nice. Speaking of Electric Avenue and Electric Guys, before we move on, and by the way, the Mets are in first place. That's right, 18 and 13. Rays for three this weekend. Looking forward to seeing that series. And, you know, it looks like the capacity is going to go up at City Field. Next homestand, I know there's a big story that came out. It looked like just for that that homestand in May that the, the crappy seats will be the vaccinated people. I know that a lot of people kind of blew that out of proportion. I think that'll change. They're not going to put all the vaccinated people in July, June, July in the worst seats in the stadium. That just would be nonsensical. So I think that will change. I know that was a big story. But speaking of eventful, and before we get to Jesse Orozco, Jose Reyes has been a part of this show because we do the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy because of Jose Reyes's Spanish Academy at Shea Stadium when he would teach the fans something to say in Spanish. Professor Reyes. Professor Reyes. So Reyes has sent you a few audio messages, I guess uh, you would say. And one of them was about the the podcast which was said as something else right figgy yeah here it is <laughs> all right so translate that because i'm pretty sure he did i can translate that he said postcard and not podcast <laughs> 
Oh my god. So yeah, so basically, you know, figgy figgy. Okay, Damalalu, give me the light. Let me know what's up. And he goes, uh, he wanted to know if the podcast, if it <laughs> did he have to go somewhere to do the podcast? But he said the postcard. <laughs> you gotta travel send the postcard in to get to the podcast he, he said uh you know tell me about the the postcard uh do i have to travel you know for that and answer of course is no because we do it over a, a phone call and then of course but now recently he said something about lindor you have another one right yes yep so i just talked to him about lindor and i, I said you know i want to get him on the show and interview him and talk about his great career and and, uh, you know, talk to him about what Lindor is going through. You know, nobody would know more than a, a guy who can play some defense, has speed and a big smile and dealing with what is killing him inside by going through a slump like this and playing in front of New York. And this was his message. I'm not going to be able to translate, take an attempt <laughs> to translate what he just said. But so. So what he said, and the quick version of it is about Lindor is getting better. He's getting better. It takes a little while to get into the flow, the bright lights of New York. Okay. He's getting better and not to worry about him because he's a super estrella. You know what that is? Superstar? He's a superstar. So he said, you know, give him a little bit of time. He's getting better and there's nothing to worry about, you know, but uh, trust me, Lindor even had a lot of uh, worries on him, listening to a lot of different people calling him and giving him advice. And, you know, that's where uh, Jose Reyes comes through and and tells us he's going to be just fine. I I think we could trust Jose Reyes when it comes to that. Yeah, I I was actually been practicing rolling my R's uh, over the last couple of days. Uh, The fourth girl that went to the uh, Mets game on Tuesday in the four-game stretch. Four girls, four days. <laughs> uh, the Bachelor at City Field. I upgraded, I guess, from Nike Air Force Ones to Common Projects. Apparently, this is like a $500 shoe. So she was trying to help me roll R's, and I still, she said, use the tongue at the back of your teeth, and I still can't figure it out. No, 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 that's not how you use it. Sounds like we're at the dentist. Try to say la, 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 la. Now, let your breath go out and go. This is painful. Even, no, I'm not I'm not even I'm not even doing the academy. I need to give you a few days off to rest your, your mind and your tongue. All right, I'm gonna upgrade Jesus. to common underground projects, whatever the hell these shoes are, uh and, and practice rolling my R's. Anyways, Jesse Orasco can roll oh, his geez. R's. Or 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 Orozco. Orozco. Oh, wow. Well, if you're still listening to Amazing But True, God bless your heart. Uh, Jesse Orozco, 1986 World Series champion, joins us next on Amazing But True. Joining us now on Amazing But True is another 1986 Mets World Series champion. You remember him tossing his glove in the air. After getting that final out in 86, he pitched for the Mets. In 1979, and then 1981 through 1987, this man has pitched in more games than any other pitcher in Major League history, 
at 1,252. Figgy, it's almost as many calories as the Polar Burger at City Field. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. He's one of 29 players to pitch in four decades. He holds a career ERA of 3.16. More than 1,000 inherited base runners left on. He won another World Series in 1988 with the Dodgers. He was a two-time All-Star. He came to the Mets in a trade for Jerry Kuzman. He pitched until he was 46, 1979 through, 19, uh, through 2003. I think that's a long enough intro for the great jesse orosco jesse jake brown nelson figueroa welcome to amazing but true i'm tired talking about your career you must be tired having lived it <laughs> i didn't know i had that going on that much but uh yeah no i appreciate that um it was a wonderful career i look back all the time and just you know reminisce on you know situations that we're going through that you know like games pitch and even though you know, all through the world series and, and just many many games that uh I was able to get in there and just have fun playing ball. I'm hoping to live till 46. You pitched until 46. With my <laughs> diet of chicken parm and uh, prime rib, I don't know if I'm going to make it, but the fact that you pitched till 46, what's the secret? Did you have the TB12 Tom Brady method? What did you do in your 40s that you were still going strong? Oh, my gosh. I wish I'd have been Tom Brady. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I just got a, a good routine going. Once I got to the big leagues, you know, I had some people that really helped me out a lot, and I tried to stay on the program. And and then, you know, as time goes by, you have to make decisions on what you're going to do as far as, like, you know, facing batters. Sometimes, you know, I, I go through a, a set of guys, and then next time I have to change a little bit because they're going to be working on me, and I'm going to be working on them. So I had a good regimen of what I needed to do, and, you know, I try to stay positive. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't ever imagine really amounting up to 20, 24 years, but uh, it, was a, it was a great run. Yeah, I mean, you have to be the – poster child for a guy like Oliver Perez who got to 18 and then he just got DFA'd recently. For me, I know getting a chance to play with Jamie Moyer and you talk about that routine. Jamie Moyer, you know, pitched till he was 46 as well. Watching him go through his routine and really still learning his craft. I was with the Phillies at the time with Roy Halladay and Roy Halladay would learn some things from Jamie and Jamie learned some things from Roy. Talk about, like you said, about the adjustments that you have to make because we know how nasty you were on lefties. That slide was almost unhittable against lefties. What were some of the other things that you had to learn as you played longer and longer? Well, you know, first of all, with Jamie Moyer, it was uh, spectacular what he did. Jamie, he didn't throw the ball hard. You know, he, he defied what everybody thought. Everybody's trying to throw 100. Of course, they're trying to throw 100. But I think Jamie's ability just told him that, you know what, hey, I can't take those guys. So I had to come up with a game plan. And, and, you know, he just blew the ball around. You know, he had great control and kept pushing the years that went by. So, you know, I know Jamie very well. You know, we're teammates. And he lives out here in San Diego now. So uh, that was just a, an amazing career. But as for all of us, in any position we play, you want to be on top of your own game. Sometimes you're going to, you know, you're going to be ups and downs. That's the decision of what you're going to do during your career. Can you get through animosity and this and that? And so for my situation, I just, I had great players that I played with, great coaches that I had around me, managers. So um, gave my best every day. And, and my, my goal was to let the manager know that I was in full pen available every single day. And I mean, I was very lucky. I went 20 straight years until I got hurt. And then I still picked another four years. Always love talking to the guys on that 86 team. When we look back on it, Jesse and, 
tossing up the glove. I mean, you didn't give up a run in that World Series. Five and two-thirds, two hits, no runs. You dominated. You make some Red Sox hitters look foolish. We always joke that if social media was around at 86, the whole team would be behind bars, probably. Uh, it would have been uh, a lot of trouble. Twitter would have broken. TMZ would have got a lot of clicks if the 86 Mets were out there in the news. Can you look back with us on some of those fond memories in 86 and that special all-time great World Series being the Red Sox? It was amazing. I mean, we were loaded up. I remember starting in, you know, I was I was one of the earlier guys with Mookie Wilson that started up the team. And then we started adding Hernandez and then Carter came over. And then, you know, guys like Gooden and Dell, all these guys started coming up. We just knew that we had something going on. And we took our licks the first two years before we won the World Series. Chicago was there in front of us and then uh, St. Louis. So it was, it was the start of, uh, you know, okay, now we know what to do. Now we still have players coming in. Nothing could go wrong after that. We just we had such a great tandem. David Johnson, who you know took over, and uh, you know he kept us together. Like I said, we were you know kind of a wild bunch, if I may say. Um, <laughs> the team just got better and better, and we even had meetings just saying like, you know what, that's it. It's our time. You know, we're going to start rolling over people, and you know that's how we got started. Yeah, we talked to Hojo recently, and Hojo said the same thing. That first team meeting of it's our time uh, really set the tone for that season, you know. And, and looking back, one of the things that I, I loved about that team is that although you had some superstars, you didn't have a like guys with super egos. It was more of a team effort, like everybody backed each other up. And in this day and age, as a closer, you know, guys are arguing, that's my only role. That's the only role I can do. You shared duties with with Roger McDowell, you know, talk about that and, and being able to adapt to that. Yeah, because, you know, when I was a, I was a closer a few years before Roger had gotten there. And, you know, it was something that David came up with because, I mean, when we saw Roger come out, we are going, oh, my gosh, this guy's incredible. He's got the nastiest stuff. And I had no problem with it. You know, we were both going to go in and, and, and share the duty. I think it helped us both out because the innings that we needed to throw extra, we were fresh because there wasn't just one guy doing all the innings. It was a combination. And so that's, you know, Roger and I, we stayed healthy through the whole thing. And, uh, you know, even, even the next few guys behind us still had to get in there and do their job. So that was huge for us. I know some people will say, hey, you know what? Don't you wish you would have been the only closer? And I said, well, I want to win. This is, this is all about trying to put a championship team together. How do you do that? You know, you start molding them and everything like that. And that's what Davey did, and I think he did a great job. After 86, what was that feeling like? The, I mean, you must have hit every club, every bar in New York City <laughs> after that year, and you getting a free drink, you getting free pizza, you getting free hibachi, whatever you want for life. Do you feel like you were at the top of the world after 86? We talked with David Cohen. How 87 was kind of just injuries. Some guys didn't come back. It seemed like kind of one big hangover from that 86, and we look back at what could have been an 88 when you went to the Dodgers and beat the Mets. What was that post-86 Mets life like, that offseason going into 87, Jesse? Well, it was crazy. It's like you said, uh, the party began right after everything everything happened through that World Series and so many great things that, that came out through that game. But I just remember, like, when we won and I was I went to go over to a friend's restaurant, uh, O'Neill's restaurant in Mastiff. So that's where I was living at. Well, I had my car and I was getting ready to drive over there and I didn't even drive a half a mile. I had to walk like four miles to get to the restaurant because <laughs> the streets were jammed wow. with cars. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what it's like. 
So yeah, it was amazing. But that was a that was a wild night and great celebration we had. It was just a great team. Figgy, I thought he was going to say he got carried all the way there and then he got a free meal for the rest of his life at O'Neill. That that story took a turn <laughs> for got, the worse. I got, <laughs> no, I got carried back after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he. I'm pretty sure anytime he stops back in New York, he can get anything he wants. Everybody still loves oh, him dearly. <laughs> Another one for me, of course, is the the opportunity you got to play the outfield and switch off. The the the, the things that Davey Johnson did, like you go back and look at him, where you had a guy like Kevin Mitchell built as big as he was, playing shortstop so many times and had the ability to use you in the outfield, then bring you in, then put you back out there. Those are some of the craziest moments that people sometimes forget. I know for you, you'll never forget it because you got a chance to play the outfield at the big league level and caught a fly ball from a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I know. It took a fight to get me in the game. Oh, well. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was fantastic. But you know what? This is another thing. Davey Johnson had this in his computer. He'd watch us in the outfield. We wouldn't know where he's at half the time, but he'd be watching. It. Roger and I used to shag like crazy, you know, jumping up on the fence, trying to, you know, rob home runs and batting practice and doing things like that. And so, and that was our that was our conditioning too. You know, Davey knew that we were both pretty athletic as far as uh, moving around. And lo and behold, that situation comes up, and uh, we have the they have the brawl. And then, um, you know, I'm pitching, I get run over in the pile, and then. Uh, now we start making moves in that, and so Roger's going the mound. He's switching outfield. I'm going back and forth. It was unbelievable. That was the best thing. That, one of the nicest things that came out, you know, because, I mean, here I am just a pitcher my whole life, but something to remember, something like that. And you got more at-bats than uh, some, some relievers would normally get in 85. You had, went three for seven. Highest average on the Mets, Jesse. You were killing it as a, <laughs> as a hitter in 85. 86, you had an RBI, so, you know, you, you made your presence felt at the plate as well from time to time when needed to be, which in today's game, you'll never see a reliever uh, come to the plate. I know, yeah. And, you know, I didn't get many at-bats. And so I, I didn't work hard at it because, I mean, you're getting five, six at bats a year. Hey, but you I made them count. Yeah, made them count. I always look at the, the base hit in the uh, World Series. So people say, what's your average? I said, well, I got a base hit in the World Series. I don't know what happened after that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, you had 10 hits and 59 at bats in your career at 76 plate appearances. So that's not too shabby considering, you know, pitchers, starting pitchers can't lay down a freaking bunt today. Nothing gets me more mad when a pitcher cannot move someone over with a bunt. The only guy that can is Jacob DeGrom. He'll get a bunt single, sack bunt, whatever you need from Jacob DeGrom, uh, and he'll get it. Do you look at yourself as a Met? Like, you played for other teams, but nowhere as long as the Mets. I don't know if you had the same memories elsewhere, but do you look at yourself and say, you know what, I'm a New York Met, or is there another place that you played that you identify yourself with more? Well, I have great memories of everywhere I played at, but uh, Mets is always in my heart. That's what got me started. They made the trade for me, and from that point on, went on a long run with them, and I owe everything to the Mets, and I still follow the Mets, and whenever I get out there, I just try, you know, see if I can run into somebody and stuff like that, or we're doing card shows or whatever we're doing. But uh, the Mets are going to go down as uh, my team of all time. Yeah, I, I got to imagine that, you know, we talk about all these great memories of things that you've done. Just to know, and, and there's no way that this record is coming down, the 1,252 games, it goes right up there with, you know, 
DiMaggio having was it 56 games, 56 game hitting streak. You got Cal Ripken's Iron Man. I mean, you were the Iron Man for pitchers. You, you set that gold standard. There's no way the way that these guys are babied and everything else. I don't see that ever getting broken. So again, hats off to you, Jesse, on that long and very, uh, I mean, inspiring career for a guy like myself. I was a journeyman pitcher and all I kept saying was, you know what, as long as I have a uniform on my back and Mike Morgan had told me this early in my career, he said, hey kid, have arm, will travel. You can't control this game. You get traded, you get released, you sign with another team. If you can pitch, somebody will have a uniform for you. Just be ready when that opportunity comes. And so I got to say to you, hats off to you in that long and very established career. And it's very inspirational to pitchers like myself. Oh, thank you. I really do appreciate that. Oh, Figgy is the all-time uh, leader in MLB The Show video game uh, games pitch. I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, so he, he aspires to. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, don't worry about it. At least I'm in the record books that way. Let me, let me live, bro. Let me live. I want to be the all-time polar burger eater at City Field uh, by the end of the season uh, with all those calories. Um, Jesse. Oh my gosh, you guys. Did Did you plan throwing the glove up? Was that like? Did you? Was that envisioned in your mind? Like maybe after Game Six. Were like hmm all right we're gonna win i'm gonna throw the ball glove up i'm gonna hug this guy hug this guy like did you envision that moment for years or did it just in the moment the jubilation you just chucked it in the air and did it ever land no and i don't think it will (laughs) um i never envisioned that but i'll tell you what when that situation came up a couple few days before that and now i have friends you know getting a hold of me and say what are you gonna do what kind of pose you gonna do if you throw the last pitch i'm like i almost want to hang up on because i didn't know what to do (laughs) So uh, it just came natural. I threw the I went uh, through the pitch, and when I got the strikeout, that just came out naturally. I wasn't, you know, trying to do some type of dance, but uh, turned out to be a pretty good dance, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, when you it's one of those iconic moments. Carter, that, that. Carter weighs about 230 pounds, and I have to catch him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you still pitch another 20 years. I thought your back would have been shot after that moment, Jesse. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was a fantastic and by the way, uh, when uh, when I threw the glove up the air, you know that came down, and I think one of the umpires, uh, Lee Wire, I think it was, uh, he uh, retrieved the, the the glove and then sent it back to us. So uh, that glove came back to me, and so I donated to an officer that was uh, paralyzed in action, uh, McDonald. And so um, yeah, we we had a bunch of athletes go over there and see him in the hospital. And so we started giving different things. And I said, you know what? I'm, I felt good about giving the glove. People have always asked me for, how come you gave up your money? That was worth money. I said, no, it's worth my heart what I did. And it was wonderful. I, I know it, I took care of him for many years, and he finally passed away. But um, something I felt pretty proud of doing. Yeah, that's that's well done by you. And, and you have the ring. That's what's the uh, the most important thing is you yeah. have that ring. You got oh, the yeah. bling. Although if you wear it today, that ring's probably worth six figures because the amount of diamonds <laughs> and carrots, 24-carat magic in the air tonight, they put into those rings, Jesse. Again, I eight, <laughs> in game six, you know, we've heard the stories of, you know, I think Keith or something was in the clubhouse. Guys kind of gave up. And then the comeback happens. What's your game six story when uh, you guys are on the brink of elimination? Well, I was in the locker room with them. We had a few guys. I mean, we thought it was over. You know, Boston was fantastic. Um, you know, just a great team. And that went back and forth. They came out and won two straight games. A lot of battle back on the road. And you know, man, we got to that game six. Just so many things happened in that. But Can you take us inside that, that clubhouse and that locker room? I would love to hear you, Keith. Like, were you ripping cigs, ripping beers? Were you, were you mad? Like, what was the – take us, like, I want to get – take Jake and Figgy right now inside the Mets locker room, the clubhouse. Game six, two outs. What was it? Bottom of the 10th inning. Take us inside the clubhouse. 
Okay, I pitched. So now that's when I started going. I can't. I can't watch this. It's not looking good. So uh, Keith and I, I think we had a couple of guys, and we went into the uh, equipment manager's office and we listened to the game on the radio. And really hard to take. So things are starting to happen now. We go, hey, they had, we had a, they had a bunch of football helmets in there. We all put a helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're trying to do our own rally inside the clubhouse. And man, when they, we came back and that run scored. We started headbutting. Good thing we had our helmets on. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah, the rally caps, man. That was a big thing with that 86 team. I remember that. Turning the hat inside oh, yeah, out, yeah. guys wearing it. All right, so so the helmets are on. What happens next? Well, celebration begins. We go back in. First thing I did was grab champagne, and I took it to my wife in the other clubhouse, and then I said, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we took off, and it, it was just crazy. It was truly amazing. Never imagined something like that, you know, getting to a World Series, but it's the real deal when it happens. So it was so much fun. I'm surprised I remember some other day, the next day, but <laughs> right. <laughs> so did you did you come back? That that did you come back out after the they won the game, or was it like two singles? You're like, all right, we might have to go watch this. Like, did you watch that entire inning unfold from the clubhouse? Most of it. Yeah, it was hard to take. I mean, we we had a chance to win a couple times, and they kept fighting back, and it was you know unbearable to watch. Uh, all's well that ends well, right? You got that the ring and the celebration and our Kings of New York forevermore. Talk about what you're doing these days in San Diego with, with pitchers and, and teaching them the fine art of that nasty slider. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't teach too many sliders because the kids are young. So this is this is a young group of kids, and they, they range from about four years old all the way up to about 12, 13. So I've I don't believe in kids throwing, you know, breaking balls, you know, at, you know, nine, ten years old. So, you know, and they want to throw them so bad. And so I have to kind of almost put them on a timeout and say, wait a minute. <laughs> I've been doing that for about four or five years and just having a great time with it. Uh, you know, the kids are always really great. The families respond really well. And my goal is, you know, try to keep the kids healthy and, and you know, get, get as much as we can out of it. But I, I enjoy it. You pitch until you're 46. Now we flip the numbers around. You're 64. Can you still get an out if, if we need you? <laughs> Uh, you know, I still got a little cheese in me. Ooh. Nice. I still, I still throw bullpens. Mm-hmm. What's what's the, what's the speedometer yeah. looking like? What are you throwing? Oh, next question. <laughs> <laughs> Sixty-nine miles an hour. That heater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I still get up there, but you know, I think my control is really pretty good still. Sounds so, like he um, could hit the eighties, uh, Figgy. Can you hit? Can you hit eighty-five? I'm, I'm going to try to give Ryan. Nolan Ryan a chance to uh, uh, try to get his because I think he threw one at like 82 miles an hour at 866 or something like that. Something like that, yeah. It was like the first pitch. They clocked him on the first pitch and he brought it in at almost 88 miles an hour. Ridiculous. <laughs> okay, that game's over. I was, I was thinking about that. Maybe I, maybe number two. Maybe I'll be number two on that. There you go. You were number one in everything. Take a, take a number two spot for once, Jesse. You're, you're yeah. Take, taking all I, the shine I, at the top. Let, let the other people shine. Uh, you know, his, his fastball is now an EFIS of like 64 miles an hour. Hey, it works. <laughs> Whatever gets an out. Yeah, exactly. Jesse Orozco, the all-time leader in appearances in games. Uh, won a 29 pitch to pitch in four decades. You pitched longer than I've been alive on this earth. 24 years, 1979 through 2000. 1986 Mets World Series champion Jesse Orozco now teaching the kids at Frozen Ropes in San Diego. Jesse, appreciate you coming on Amazing But True, man. We'll talk to you later in the season. Thanks so much. Okay. Hope to see you guys sometime.
And that says hasta la vista to episode 51, the jacket, Rick Peterson edition of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Jake and Brian Mungia, for producing the show. Give Amazing But True a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Gracias, mis amigos. For Nelson Figueroa, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Monday following the Mets three-game series down in Tampa with the Rays. Enjoy the games and let's go Mets.